Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Chief ArrowheadPride.com, one Pete Sweeney, and our guy Dust, Dusty Likens, the Dustman, here with us tonight as well. Hi, Pete. Hello, Jay. Happy bye week of the Kansas City Chiefs. No game this week, so we're watching the wild card round to find out who the Chiefs are, are going to play in two weeks. Good to be off. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, Dustman, I'll talk about that. Uh, he and I in the uh, Bacon Night, we'll talk about uh, what you plan on doing for this triple header that we have Saturday and Sunday, which is going to be amazing. Just ch- sit back, kind of relax, and think about, all right, go Colts. What's the better day, Saturday or Sunday? Saturday because it's got the, the potential matchup at noon. Is that the better day, Sunday, because it starts at noon, or... Are you more I, uh, are you more into it on Saturday? I think Saturday, at least mm. for me, I mean, we get right back to covering the Chiefs on Monday. Saturday is a day of relaxation where I really get to enjoy yeah. the games. I don't really have to cover them at all, other than just watching and taking them in. I mean, if the Colts somehow pull it off, and you that have a rooting game, interest here with the Colts, you want the Colts over the the you don't want to see the Buffalo Bills. If the Colts beat the Bills, you don't have to worry about the second best team in football anymore. I think it's the Buffalo Bills, and you get the Colts at Arrowhead Stadium. I think there's a bonus in the Colts winning because it gives Andy Reid an extra day. He knows right. who he's playing. You give him an extra day, that's a huge advantage for Andy Reid. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but he'll be right in there looking at the Colts defense, ready to break them down. I like Sunday too, though, because they have a mid-middle-of-the-day Nickelodeon game, which is something yeah. that I think I've been waiting for Slime for my passes. entire life. I'm just so intrigued by that. I was a big Nickelodeon fan when I was a kid, and... 32 years old now, so I'm not watching too much Nickelodeon lately, but I'm intrigued to see how they pull it off for the kiddos. And it's going to be on Amazon Prime as well, isn't it? Nickelodeon. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of options for that middle game on Sunday. They get slimed when they score touchdowns and the ball has like a vortex graphics behind it. It's actually going to be on CBS as well, isn't it? And they'd be on triple stations. Yeah, I actually... <laughs> it's going to be everywhere, Jay. I think there's it's a, CBS as well. The kids' version is on Nickelodeon. Yeah. And so... Yeah. With my Monday Football Monday crew, we do the SB Nation podcast covering Ooh. the NFL show. I said, here's the MFM slime drinking game. Yeah. Anytime there's slime involved, you take a sip of your, your beer as okay. you're watching the game and just see see how much slime they end up showing in that Bears-Saints matchup. I'm yeah. really looking forward to Ravens-Titans. You talk about a slugfest, two teams that will get after it. You talk about being sore the next week. If the Chiefs do happen to play one of those opponents— they look for them because that, and he, that, that's a rivalry because those two teams do not like each other. you know other. The, the Ravens want to avenge last year as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good for the Chiefs to be off. I mean, yeah. you get a, a whole week off and it's not playoff football, which is more intense too. So, I mean, you can multiply what would be a regular game by that and they're just sitting and ready to, to be fresh for that divisional round. 
Well, Pete, uh, injuries for the Chiefs. We know DeAndre Baker obviously had the surgery, was back in the facility. That seems kind of like a guy that kind of gets it with the Chiefs, and they seem to really like DeAndre Baker. And we got a little glimpse yeah. of what to expect with him. Obviously, Spags respected him enough. He had him blitz the quarterback, so he likes he what a he nice can move. do. I think it was Austin Eckler in pass pro, right? He, DeAndre Baker was a smooth tackler in college. At Georgia, he was a hitter. It's a guy that I, I like to the Chiefs because I like his versatility and what he can do. But I think the Chiefs have longer goals with DeAndre Baker. I think so, too. I think it's a case of it was a first-round talent that became available. That is what I would call like the Brett Veach special in Kansas City. And they brought him aboard. And you could tell, I, I think, in Andy Reid's voice when he went down and got hurt. It, it hurt Andy Reid a little bit because it seemed like someone who has gotten his life together, had been playing really good ball in practice for the Chiefs. Sam Madison, the secondary coach, had said that they'd had Baker going up against the Chiefs' number one receivers, which we know is Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, some kind of combination. And he was doing all right, holding his own. And so I wonder how much they wanted to see of this kid in week 17 for potentially in the playoffs, but they probably like what they saw. And now we'll see what he's able to do once he's able to recover from this injury. I think a fracture, if you're looking at injuries, is better than what would be like a ruptured Achilles or something like that. Non-contact injuries, though. That, those always scare me to 100%, some but I think you'd rather, not that you don't want any injury, but I no. think you'd rather it be a, a fracture than any of that like knee structural damage. So let's see in 2021 training camp what he's able to do. Still probably a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, but will be their 90-man roster. Willie Gay. Interesting deal on that. What are you you expecting to see from him? Because he did have to leave the game with injury, and that was the one thing you didn't want to see because he will be used by the Chiefs in the postseason. High ankle is pesky. and We we said that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was ahead of schedule, and he's still probably going to be out for four weeks. So I don't anticipate seeing gay minimum what would be the AFC title game. I know that there's hope via the Kansas City Star that – He'll be available for what will be the divisional round. I don't anticipate that. I, I think you're looking at best-case scenario, AFC title game if the Chiefs make it. And then furthermore, I think you could certainly count on him if they are able to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. But but for me, we'll have to even see if if it would be that second game of the playoffs for the Chiefs. Second game of the playoffs. Well, we, since we talked about the playoffs a little bit, is there is there a team out there that really concerns you other than the Bills? I know the Bills probably high on your list. They are high on mine. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the Bills, and it's not just because they're the number two seed, but there's not really a team. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm sitting here and saying, I don't want to play. And I know the Ravens have been hot. I mean, you're the but Chiefs. But hell, they were hot when the Chiefs played them. They were 14-1 and in the regular season when the Chiefs stumped them. You're the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're going to be more fresh than everybody else is. There isn't a team that you should be afraid of. I think if you can avoid, as you just said, Jay, the Buffalo Bills, who I think everybody would say that. And then to me, it's the Baltimore Ravens because this time around, I I think they're playing good football. They know that they can't just show up and win their way to the AFC title game. They have to bring it early on. They're not a top seed and they're playing good football at the right time. I think Lamar Jackson has found his way again. I expect them to take care of the Tennessee Titans. And who knows? We'll we'll see if we we see them. I actually I still believe in the Browns. So I think that's eventually who the Chiefs are going to see in the division. Even with around. their issues, even with the COVID issues, not having a head coach. Maybe it's a lack of belief in the Pittsburgh Steelers and their fall off. I know they were able to recover and win that that final game to to get the division, but 
Pete, I, they damn near beat them without their four captains playing. I'm telling you, there's something about the Browns. I know that they're not going to have their play caller. It'll be the offensive coordinator. I know the left guard is going to be missing. Yeah, I, Antonio, he's a three-time pro bowler. He's a stud. I I like the Cleveland Browns to beat the Steelers. I know it sounds crazy, but that's my bet this weekend. Well, they rested pouncing. They rested Ben Roethlisberger, the offensive captains. They rested T.J. Watt, who's probably going to be Defensive Player of the Year, or Aaron Donald, but probably maybe T.J. Watt, and, and Cameron Hayward. They rested four of their starters. I know, and, I and know. They're captains and almost beat Have them. we seen crazier things in the NFL, though, Jay? We have, but uh, have. COVID has been an issue they for the Browns. terrible against the football team. They looked bad against the Bills. They lost to the Bengals, who they were supposed to kill in that game. Now, granted, they did have to come back to beat the Indianapolis Colts. I, I believe they were down... 24 to 7 in that game. And okay, so they came back, and then suddenly I'm supposed to believe that they're in playoff form and, and ready to go in and beat the Browns. And the Browns are up against it. I'm not saying they're not. If you're asking me to pick the game, though, I'm picking Cleveland. I think they've looked better for more of the year to me than Pittsburgh did, especially toward the end there. May have to go some peanuts on that one. And since you and Dustin are both, both here, by the way, starting at five o'clock in the morning. All the way through the playoffs. <laughs> you and Dusty will be in here That's right. for a look at the playoffs. So yeah. Run it Ready to roll, man. Run it back. So you guys will be in here at 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. doing that. And I think it's an Monday. awesome show. Starting Monday. Starting Monday. For starting Monday the 11th and going through uh, the, the, the postseason for the Chiefs. It's going to be awesome. All right. Pete uh, Pringle. Byron Pringle was asked about him quite a bit this week. He looked good. I, I have a feeling, and I even told people, I think, Okay, going forward, you may not have Watkins. You may not have Robinson. And I'm talking next season. You'll get Watkins back for the playoffs, I assume. But Pringle, can he fill that role of what you got from Sammy Watkins? Like, what do you think the outlook? Did Byron Pringle earn himself enough? Because he's been in this offense before he was hurt. He's been in there when the game counted. Is this the guy going forward for the Chiefs? I think he at least needs to be in the conversation after this season, I mean, you were able to get all those deals done, but the salary cap gets a little bit tighter where you're going to have to hit on draft picks and you're going to need guys like a Baker and you're going to need guys like a Pringle to finally take that step. I don't know if Sammy Watkins would come back. I don't know if the Chiefs would want him to come back or whatever, but I don't think he's coming back for another discount. Who knows? Maybe he does. I don't think he would be. And so that gives Pringle a chance. And I think that's all he deserves right now is a chance. Every time we see this guy, every time he gets a target, it feels like he catches the he ball. He catches the ball and he runs routes perfectly. It's what and he really wants. He know, blocks. And he blocks. He's and he physical. Blocks, and, it's, and, catch, and simply catching the ball every time it's a big situation and I, I like D-Rob, but it's it's more than a Demarcus Robinson can say. And he stays healthier. I know he was in the injured reserve for three weeks, but typically he'll stay healthier than Sammy Watkins. So it's a little bit more reliable than Watkins. And and he just deserves a crack at it. And I, I wonder if we see more of him in the postseason. You know, Andy Reid has some things that he likes to keep up his sleeve and unveil in the playoffs. He likes to have different looks, and that tends to happen in the postseason now. You get some new looks at the Chiefs' offense. I wonder if Pringle's a part of it. Chiefs have announced their home opponents next year. Obviously, the season's done, so you can fill it in. We don't know the dates and times yet, but Denver Chargers, Raiders, of course. Steelers, Browns, Giants, Cowboys, and Bills visit Arrowhead on the road. Chiefs, Denver, Chargers, Raiders, Ravens, Bengals, Washington, Philadelphia, and Tennessee. And last but not least, Eric Bieniemy question where he ends up you know where i felt on this all along yeah i told you mid-season i think the chargers are the perfect space um for for eric Bieniemy, and he's interviewed now with 
five of the six teams, not the Houston Texans. That's the one team, the Lions, the Jets, the Jags, uh, the Chargers are going to interview him. The one team that hasn't is Houston, which I think is a big mistake. But I know that Jags have the number one pick. I know they have tons of cap room, and they're going in a different direction GM-wise, head coach-wise. You would think it's a good fit because it's out of the division. But here's the thing. Eric Bieniemy played in the Super Bowl with the San Diego Chargers. Right. Eric Bieniemy spent four years playing for that organization. Eric Bieniemy knows Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid better than any other candidate that's out there, which I think the Chargers would appreciate and want that guy. But he'd have to face Andy Reid twice a year. But yeah. it's one of 32 jobs. I think the last time we talked about this on the radio bank, the Chargers job was still not open yet. But now Lynn has been fired, and it is wide open, and the Chargers have talked to Eric Bieniemy, and and it does seem like the most natural fit. Right now, by the way, you know, this is Arrowhead Pride Radio. We do have an Arrowhead Pride tracker going on, and I have the odds for each team. Okay. As it stands right now, I'll, I'll read it to you. The Falcons are the favorite for Bieniemy. Bieniemy is the favorite to land the Falcons job. Uh, the Texans, he's the favorite. The Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's the second best. The Chargers have him as their third best, and the Jets are a long shot at sixth best. But he's the top candidate odds-wise for both the Falcons and the Texans. He hasn't even talked to the Texans yet. I think the Texans are interesting, and the reason being is because you could see that Watson was not happy about the Casario hire. He expressed that already on social media, and he's really been vocal about bringing the enemy. And at some point, you got to meet in the middle with the quarterback. And I wonder if he well, has Casario could interview the enemy. A heavy, yeah. I wonder if he has a heavy hand in saying, "All right, let's make sure we get my guy for head coach." No question about it. Before we go to Kent Swanson, this was your question to Andy Reid, and then you had a follow up because you're basically asking for what do you look. What is a head coach looking for with that owner relationship? How right. important is that? And he spoke glowingly about EB. Brad, I'll have a quick follow-up to this one. Coach, hey, I know you've had a lot of success with two organizations. What should teams be looking for in a happy marriage between a coaching candidate and what would be ownership and, and the GM? Yeah, so um, somebody that can get along. It, it's a people business. And... Uh, you know, I I just think that um, to be able to to bring to unite, I think, is important. And I, I think he has that ability. I mean, I watch it every day, so I mean, I know he has that ability. And um, and our uh, our offense is and our football team. They're as tight as anybody around, and and he talks to that offense every day. He stands in front of him and talks to him every day. And so um, I get to see it. And I've seen a couple of coaches come and go. And listen, he does it as well as anybody. And then his presentation is strong. So when he has to talk the X's and O's part, that's very strong. And he, he's, he's ready to make the move. I mean, you know, that's, what, that's where we're at today. But it's, it's got to be a fit for an owner. And I've said this before. It's... You know, it's got to be that, you know, guys talk about blinks and somebody's got to have that blink and have have that picture in their mind that Eric Bannemi can go lead their organization and they're comfortable with that. So I know owners do not like problems. They don't like problems. They're paying you money uh, to do a job. And that 
and uh, not have the load of the worry thrown on their lap. And so I know he can he can do that for for somebody. There you go, Pete. A plus question, A plus answer. We'll get to the <laughs> second half of that uh, later on in the show when we do uh, the final segment. But glowing, glowing. He's really stamping the approval for Igby and me. Wants it to happen. Job. I mean, he's been pushing this now for three off seasons, and Bianami deserves it. And no one wants to see it more than Andy Reid. And he wants to continue, I think, the train here in Kansas City as well. I think he thinks Kafka's ready to be his offensive coordinator. So keep it going in Kansas City. Starts with Bianami getting a well-deserved job elsewhere. We'll take a timeout, and we come back. Kent Swanson with Chiefs Offense from ArrowheadPride.com. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Hello. Dustman, Dusty Likens here with us as well. Now it's time to talk to the offensive analyst, or guru, so to speak, because I called uh, Craig Stout a guru, and he liked that. So Kent is obviously a guru, <laughs> is too. Is Kent a guru? Yeah, I think right. so. I think he's... Right. I'm, I'm down he's with that. He puts he's out the that guru. Guide. He puts out that draft guide. You kidding me? That's guru-type stuff. I agree, I guess. I feel like you just like saying the word guru. I do. Well, I kind of do. What's up? What's up, Kent? Guru? <laughs> My man, Beak. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'll just tell you, Beak, you'd be shocked at how much of the guide we got done we're doing a lot of work over here on our side all right all right how do we get this offense back in sync they've had these seven close games heck if they end up playing baltimore at some point baltimore's showing they're not a team that could come back put it on them are you concerned at all about the offense because i'm not because i saw the points they put up against the dolphins and the saints bink they've been they flexed their muscles for 30 minutes of football here and there for the last couple of months so they'll go out They'll light the scoreboard up for a little bit, and then they'll kind of play possum. This team, if they play 60 minutes of football and they play 60 minutes of Andy Reid, Patrick, LeVon, Mahomes offense, they are going to win every playoff game they play by double digits. I firmly believe that. I am uber confident in this football team. I think if they, just, if they play complete football, they're going to hoist another Lombardi talking with our lead film and draft analyst at arrowheadpride.com Kent Swanson Kent now you have reviewed the entire year for us when it comes to Patrick Mahomes winded up being 15 games what did you learn about him this year what steps did he take as a quarterback as we now head into the postseason yeah I mean I think the, the peaks of him are just the, the mental processing is ridiculous. And like some of the numbers that you see on, you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. That's just abnormal because bringing pressure uh, and bringing it from a variety of different places is supposed to throw quarterbacks off to a level that they're, you know, they're at least sped up. 
And it doesn't seem like Mahomes has ever sped up. He's always throwing comfortably into the blitz and delivering balls and converting and making defenses pay. Teams have thrown a lot at him. And, you know, he cont- continues to build and develop that, um, you know, that, that memory bank. And you've seen it. You talk, they talked about this photographic memory. We've heard about this all the time. Well, this is the realization of it. You're in year three of the Patrick Mahomes era, yep. and he's seen a lot more than he did when his, in his first game week 17 against Denver in 2017. The, the growth, the mental processing continues to get better and better, and it's going to be that much more difficult every single year to get him on stuff. Kent, when you, when you look at this offensive line, do you think they've set it for the postseason, or do you think there's still some possibilities? And I bring up Stefan Wisniewski because he kind of reminds me of K.O. Light, Coletio Simile Light, the way he can handle. They ran for 179 yards when he started New Orleans, and then we got to see him play back to left guard. He was at right guard in New Orleans, back to left guard this past week. I think he's the only one that they may consider, all right, what do we want to do at guard? Is Wisniewski going to play or not? Because I know they, they trust the guy. It's a big reason why he's back here. But do you expect the offensive line to be like we've seen it, or do you expect Wiz to be in it? I think they're probably going to roll with what they've had. And, you know, I do I do agree with you. If there's going to be a change, Stefan Wisniewski getting thrown into the mix there, one of the guard positions makes a lot of sense. I just think this group has had a lot more time together and right or wrong, there is some value to to having that level of continuity, and some people value that continuity more. And Stephen Wisniewski, I'm not sure he's the exact same guy he was a year ago. He's a year older. He's coming off an injury. He looks a little bit slower. It wasn't as impressive this year. What we've seen, the sample size of a Stephen Wisniewski is not as good as what we saw a year before. I mean, honestly, it's good to have a comfortability, familiarity with the guy in the building. But I don't think he's a significant major upgrade to what they have right now, and that's that's saying something. Ken, we know Chiefs head coach Andy Reid is the best offensive mind in the NFL right now, maybe of all time. He usually saves some of these goodies for the playoffs. What could he possibly be saving play call-wise that maybe we haven't seen before in the regular season? Well, I think the running back passing game. And I think you kind of started to see a little bit of it with Clyde Edwards-Alaire against the Miami Dolphins. I think there's still a lot of potential for that running back passing game. Um, if teams are really going to focus on trying to keep a lid on the, on the Chiefs offense and try to keep and limit those explosive plays and force them to drive down the field, you know, the Chiefs are going to continue to push for depth and challenge down the field. And if that's the case, there's a lot to be had underneath for guys like Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think more specifically, if, Le- if Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets back anytime soon, I think there's, there's some potential for him to make some plays in the passing game. He had one of his better passing performances against the Dolphins. So that's one area I think the Chiefs could you know, kind of utilize as a way to say, okay, you're going you're gonna to play with that kind of depth. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna drop everybody deep. All right, we're going to dump it down to a running back, and you're going to have to try to make you – know, you're going to try to have to tackle – a guy like Le'Veon Bell, a guy like Clyde Edwards-Alaire that are tough to bring down, they're going to get seven, eight yards, and we're going to do it again until you alter your defense. So, you know, I think that's one thing that you could see the Chiefs get back into. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't be stunned to see a little bit of no huddle either. That would be something mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see as well. Kent, one guy that we saw play last weekend, and I think uh, we could see him in the postseason, and not only that, but beyond with the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's Byron Pringle. He played in five games this season, obviously went on the IR with the ankle injury uh, during the Raiders game. But he brings that toughness that reminds me of Watkins 
a little bit when it comes to the blocking. He catches the ball every time they throw it to him and runs extreme routes and a heck of a returner as well. Byron Pringle, what are you expecting from him in the postseason? Will we see him? Look, I love Byron Pringle. I'm a big Byron Pringle fan. I'm not as big of a fan of his as, as Matty Lane, who I'm pretty sure has a jersey somewhere in his closet. <laughs> but uh, Byron Pringle, you're right. All the stuff that you just mentioned, absolutely true. I think he's a better route runner than Demarcus Robinson and McCall Hardman. I think he's a better blocker than McCall Hardman for sure. He's a guy that when you watch him play in those limited reps, he deserves opportunities to play. But I always say this, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes on between Monday and Saturday that we don't see. There's a reason Byron Kringle is not able to get snaps. Is it the mental side? Whatever it is, I'm not sure. But they don't feel as comfortable and confident with Byron Kringle on Sundays as they do with Demarcus Robinson and McCole Harden. Now, neither of those guys I mentioned have done much of anything to, um, to earn more opportunities. And I'm talking about Robinson and Harden. Could they get a quick hook? And, and a guy like Byron Kringle, who's proven to, to have a lot of value in this league, get some opportunities? Wouldn't be stunned. But I think, you know, what you see, the snap count, the snap count on Sunday tells the story that every, about everything that happens when we don't see. Kent, we are between the Indianapolis Colts, Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, and Tennessee Titans. I'm sure you know the matchups. Who do you think is coming to Arrowhead Stadium in a divisional round and why? I think we're going to see the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. I think we're going to see the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to beat the Tennessee Titans. I want to see the Browns, but I think it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And I think that's the worst scenario for the Kings. I agree. I agree. I think that team is playing hot right now. They, you know, obviously the the Chiefs have beat the brakes off the Ravens. They embarrassed the Ravens. And the Chiefs can put this game into a script that forces Lamar Jackson to pass and they can't lean on the play action. And some things are going to have to change about how they operate offensively if they want to try to hang with the Chiefs. I get all that. Uh, But what this team has done lately, granted, against bad football teams, has been impressive. And they look to be firing all off and lose at the right time. The good news for the Chiefs is they're going to be in a dogfight with the Tennessee Titans to get here to Arrowhead. The benefit of the bye week is those guys are going to get beat up next week in a big physical game, and the Chiefs are going to get to sit back and watch and prepare. Hopefully that's enough. Hopefully Patrick LeVon Mahomes, the offense, is firing on all cylinders from Jump Street, playing 60 minutes, and it's not going to matter. But that game is going to be tough. That's going to be a sneaky, tough game. I don't even know if it's sneaky. It's going to be a tough game for this team. It's going to be fun to watch these games. It's Kent Swanson at Kent underscore Swanson on Twitter, lead draft and film analyst for ArrowheadPride.com. Thanks a lot, Kent. Anytime, boys. Way to go, Kent. Good job. And, uh, yeah, sorry about the – pulled a Pete on me. Uh, (laughs) Come on, Binkley. Teach him well, Pete. Doing this for too long. That's right. But uh, coming up next, we talk to Craig Stout, defensive film analyst for ArrowheadPride.com as you look at the Chiefs' defense next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, the yeah. chief, ArrowheadPride.com, the dust man in here with us as well. Now it's time to talk Chiefs defense with the defensive film analyst and guru for ArrowheadPride.com, Craig Stout. What's up, Craig? Hey, guys. Hope you're well today. Craig. 
Doing well, Craig. Let's talk about this defense for the Chiefs because things have really started to come around for this defense. And, you know, I'm looking at some of their advanced stats today. Tenth in the NFL in quarterback hits with 99. Number two in quarterback KDs, knockdowns, only two behind the Buccaneers. You wouldn't think that, but, man, they're quietly putting together and coming together at the right time. Yeah, they really are. You know, the the old Belichick quote, you you want to peak in January. You know, that's, that's kind of what this defense is doing a little bit. I know for a while we were talking about the four-man pass rush and how it really wasn't all that effective. That doesn't mean that they weren't still getting pressure. They were getting it through the blitz. Now you're starting to see the four-man pass rush over the past couple of weeks, not necessarily this last week with you know, largely depth pieces in there, but you've started to see it come alive a little bit more. That That's really good news going into the playoffs. Craig, unfortunately, it seems like Willie Gay is not going to be available for the divisional round. We don't know that definitively, but I, I'm just no high ankle sprains, and it doesn't usually go well for being ready right away. What do the Chiefs lose in Gay for what he was prior to the injury here? I mean, he was by far and large their most athletic linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that makes some splash impact plays in the base defense. Now that Damian Wilson is back, now that Anthony Hitchens is back, I didn't really expect that he was probably going to play very many of the sub-package snaps because he hadn't to this point. But I did think that we get to see a lot more of him in the base And against some of the teams that they may see, they might have to be in the base a little bit more. Uh, He's just a guy that plays behind the line of scrimmage. And unfortunately, it looks like they're not going to have him for the first matchup. Let's talk about Darius Harris uh, for a minute, Craig, because I think they've stumbled upon somebody that they they really like. Obviously, putting the green dot on his helmet, they like him. We look back, he got his first defensive snaps against Atlanta at 54 a percent of them moved up to 71% or 71 snaps the last game. That's all the snaps. He played every single snap against the Chargers. But his tackling is he's proven to be a good tackler. And I know they used him on special teams a couple of games this season, but they might have something there, linebacker. Yeah, it, it, that's one of the positions that I've kind of harped on for the past couple of years is not really having a good backup Mike linebacker to Anthony Hitchens. Ben Neiman has gotten those reps, and he's just been, you know, not not really great. He's just not the same body type as an Anthony Hitchens. He doesn't play the same way, this kind of downhill, thumper, strong tackler. Darius Harris is that, and I think you've seen the past couple weeks that he is somebody that they might be able to hang their hat on as a backup Mike for Anthony Hitchens in 2021. That's a position that they were going to need to address because the Neiman's on contract, you know, they don't really have a ton at the linebacker position. If you trust Darius Harris to come in there and call the plays the last two weeks, that's something that he got those live reps. Steve Spagnuolo and company had nothing but praise to say about him and the job that he did. So I'm all for bringing him back in 2021 as the backup Mike linebacker, get more snaps, and be a bigger contributor. Talking with our defensive film analyst, Craig Stout of ArrowheadPride.com. Craig, I, I have a hypothetical scenario slash award putting you on the spot a little bit. When we talk about offensive awards, we always take Patrick Mahomes out of the mix, right? Because it wouldn't be fun if he was in it because he wins everything. On the defensive side, for the same reasons, let's take out Tyron Matthew. Okay, so no, no Matthew. He's off the board. Is LeJarrius Sneed the most important defensive player on the Chiefs? 
ooh, he really might be, and just because of what he allows Tyron Matthew to do and his versatility, being able to play on the boundary, being able to play in the slot, being able to improve their nickel run defense. And he's been back in there. They've been a lot better because he inserts himself into gaps a lot better. He stacked offensive linemen. He, had a, he threw one of them aside a couple weeks ago. He's just been kind of a revelation for what Spagnuolo wants to do. So he may not be, you know, the super elite talent of like a Chris Jones or, you know, like a Frank Clark, but he, the way that he's deployed may be the key to make this defense kind of go and pick up and play the way that they have recently. So he's certainly in a top three or four for Mm. any award that would be, you know, importance to the defense. I think he's the rookie of the year, to be quite honest with you. I think he's, I think he's uh, replaced CEH. And I will say this, Speaking of luxurious Sneed, does he kind of remind you of the Honey Badger in any way? We're talking about a guy that played corner and safety in college, and the way that they're utilizing him with pushing the quarterback like the Honey Badger was utilized uh, from the day he got in the NFL to what we see now. But And he could play different positions. Yeah. But does he remind you of the Honey Badger? Because he is me. A little bit, a little bit. Obviously, size-wise, you know, Lajarius Need is much longer, and he's faster as well. But the way that they've implemented him and the effortlessness that he can kind of transition from position to position, I think we all remembered last year when they put Tyron Matthew in the slot, and we all went, oh, boy, <laughs> you know, the Chiefs just, you know, moved their really highly paid safety into the slot. How's this going to work? And played at an elite level. Now we're seeing a guy that – was playing on the boundary and was playing really well. And then he got hurt. When he came back, what they do? He stuck him in the slot. And he played really well. So that versatility is definitely Honey Badger-esque. You know, if he picks up things the way that Tyron Matthew does, you know, mentally, his speed, length, and ability to kind of affect plays all over the field are going to make things really, really difficult. And he might be, you know, one of these blue-chip players by the end of his rookie contract. It's a question when we asked Kent, and he said the Baltimore Ravens. It's between the Colts, Browns, Ravens, and Titans. Who did the Chiefs see in that first divisional round game, and why? I am. I already kind of went out on a limb earlier this week with a prediction. I'm going with the Browns. And mm, I my man, that's on. what I'm going with. That, me too. Yeah. I just don't trust Ben Roethlisberger to throw the ball. I don't trust that Steelers offense at all. And while the defense is pretty good. They just have lost so many key ingredients. I think the Browns are going to come out, and I think they're going to surprise them. Bink, they call him Big Ben. They should call him Big Noodle Arm. Oh, man. Yes. I, yeah. I'm not with you on this at all. I'm not okay. I'm, I'm not with you all on right. this at all. They, they didn't get their head coach, man. COVID's getting them. Um, it's not noodle, been pleasant. Got a I will say this, too, Kent. Uh, who do you think gives the Chiefs the biggest challenge with their offense in our defense? In the entire AFC? No, just just, just just the first round, divisional round. Um, I, I think it's I think it's still the Titans. I, I mean, I realize that their defense is not particularly good, but I think the way that Derrick Henry's playing, much like last year, I, I don't. I, while the Chiefs' run defense is better, it's still not great, and I think that there could be a situation with. Eric Henry and AJ Brown, who's an absolute monster, they could put some points on this Chiefs defense and hang with the Chiefs a little bit longer than we'd probably be comfortable with them. AJ Brown's shoulder pads are as big as running backs. I'm not kidding. Like AJ Brown's <laughs> rocking big boy. He's rocking those high school shoulder pads that make you look like two he, times bigger. He's you know a I mean? big man. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Craig Stout, defensive film analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at Barley Hop. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks, guys. There you go. Don't forget about Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. He ends up as the third leading rusher in the He's NFL. Good, man. But, hey, everybody's talking about King Henry in the 250. Guess what? Jonathan Taylor put up 253 this past weekend. I'm telling you. And not only that, he's third in the NFL in rushing. The Colts can run the damn ball. I was talking to my friends about this earlier today. I don't think the Colts are getting enough respect by Buffalo and really national media. Everyone wants to talk about how the Chiefs are getting respected. There's a case for that. The Indianapolis Colts are not getting any respect. And you're right. The key in January, what do we always, always, always say, right? Defense and running the football. And they could do both. They could do both. So let's just see what happens in that first game on Saturday. It's going to be interesting. Let's hope they win. But uh, 913-576-7610 is our J Southland toe service text line. Mm. Text in your comments for myself or Pete, and we'll address them. And uh, Pete and I will get into some other debates next. <laughs> this is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Pete, I don't understand this Cleveland love from you. That was in Cleveland. They needed the win. The Steelers were resting players, including all four of their captains. They lose by two points, and it was a failed two-point conversion. And yet they thumped them 38-7 earlier this year. Right. And they're playing in Pittsburgh. Right. And for some reason, and they're without their head coach with COVID. Right. Look, if you want to go to the facility. If, look, if you want to bet on a team that lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, 37. Hey, the Ravens looked like crap earlier this year, too, but they turned things around. <laughs> I mean, am I right? Yeah, but you only saw one game in the last four that Pittsburgh looked to have any life at all. The, the Browns have been grinding all year, and I think they really truly believe in Stefanski. I know he's not going to be there necessarily in person. <laughs> This weekend, put up like a like a cardboard cutout of there. Could be. Hopefully, Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, has enough of what Stefanski has done this year. And I, I just, I like the Browns. I like the way that that plays out. I, I think they're going to be the lowest seed left. Well, who was it that said uh, he thinks we're going to be playing the um, Baltimore Ravens? That Kent or was that? Uh, Craig. Craig agreed with me on the Browns, and Kent said the Baltimore Ravens. All right. The Ravens, they've run for 191 yards a game. They lead the NFL in rushing. And by the way, Lamar Jackson's the only quarterback to have two 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Michael Vick only did it one time. Yep. He's done it twice, but he's done it back-to-back. And he's throwing the ball incredibly accurate as of late. Yeah, he's, he's looked good. Does that team scare you? Because they still have a problem yeah, coming back. They I, still have a problem when they're buried early coming back. And that's been the I, Chiefs thing. I think last year we, we saw, I, I don't want to call the road easy, but it, it wasn't. It was the Houston Texans and Tennessee Titans. There are harder roads to make it to the Super Bowl. This year, you could have the Baltimore Ravens followed by the Buffalo Bills. That's a difficult road to get to the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs are fortunate, and they played their way. So it's not only being fortunate. This is what they earned. They earned the bye week off to prepare for what could be, in my opinion, a gauntlet to get back to the Super Bowl. We'll see. I, we, stranger things have happened. You know, I, it, We'll see who they end up playing, but... Uh, the Ravens and, and Bills, to me, which could be the road for the Chiefs, are the hottest teams in the AFC and maybe in football. Go back to Eric B. Enemy for just a second. James Palmer from NFL Network was on the drive, and he was asked, uh, will B. Enemy get an offer from other teams? You know, I, I, it's funny. It's, we've been waiting for this over and over again, it seems like, with EB. And I remember talking to Andy 
I think in the playoffs on the sideline early on uh, last year, and he was like, well, I don't, I just, I'm just going to tell you, I don't think we're going to have Eric next year. And it didn't happen. And and he has been that firm in his belief of thinking he is deserving uh, for one of these jobs around the league. And, and I, he's not alone. There are plenty of people um, <clears throat> that definitely think the same thing. Some of the concerns I've heard from the league, again, these aren't mine, but from around the league, is 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 there you know there's some questions about success away from Andy Reid. Uh, what happened at Colorado did not go very well. Um, there's some thoughts about how much of it is, you know, his connection with Andy. You know, you work well with certain people, and can that happen away from Andy Reid and, and, and the Chiefs? And I think that's one of the things that I've heard uh, from different people around the league. But if you talk to anybody who has spent a lot of time with Andy Reid, uh, I'm sorry, with Eric Bieniemy, they'll tell you there there may not be a better guy that can motivate, lead men, run a program, and that's becoming a bigger thing within uh, the head coaching ranks is how you handle the entire business side and the, and the you know, the CEO title of that, I think that's something he's very, very worthy of. And, and he's definitely going to get second interviews. I know that. We'll just have to see where kind of the breadcrumbs start to fall. It's, it is interesting. And going back to your question to Andy Reid, Andy Reid really stumping for Eric Bieniemy talking about how he, how he talked to the team every yeah. day. He stood in front of them. And we've seen him at training camp going back to 2013 when he's running back coach. You really hear him. We all look at each other and go, this guy's going to be head coach. Ultimate motivator. This guy's going to be head coach. And the one thing about Andy Reid, okay, Sean McDermott from Andy Reid's tree. He's got the number two seed in the AFC. John Harbaugh, head coach of the Ravens, former special teams coach for Andy Reid. He has a ring on his finger. Doug Peterson, say what you want about this year and putting Sudfield to the end of the game. He does possess a Super Bowl ring. Matt Nagy, say what you want about him. He has the Bears in the playoff this year. This Ron, tree is Ron, definitely more successful than Belichick's. Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera. We're naming... I understand the records, and for sure, name name the records, whatever. They're playoff teams right now. They're, they're, usually, they're all in the playoffs. And they're the Eagles, disciples. Right? And the Eagles have won the Super Bowl, so you can't really even say much about them either. And so, yeah, I I know. Reed's, play, Reed's coaching tree has been just tremendously more successful than anybody else's, including Belichick's. And that's, that's I think, something that is going to be a huge part of his legacy when he gets to those Hall of Fame conversations. It's that he really cared about bringing – people along and I think it's the case right now in Kansas City he's pushed for enemy now this will be the third offseason in a row he's super high on Mike Kafka and I think he wants Mike Kafka to be the next offensive coordinator and then the next head coach and guess what there'll be someone behind Mike Kafka just like we saw with Nangy and Peterson yeah absolutely Kafka will be a head coach in this league Sooner rather than later, I told you that. <laughs> you keep telling me that. From the 785. I haven't seen any requests yet. I mean, well, obviously who knows? Well, a hot name. That's what Shepard said. We'll By see. the way, the 785. Should Fitton return punts in the playoffs? Also, what does Bank think about dipping jalapeno cheddar dogs in queso before eating? I'll address the jalapeno cheddar. Of course, you dip it in queso. You dip everything in queso that you possibly can. So that's the answer to that. Right. Should Rashad Fenton return punts? I want to see Tyree Kill go back to doing that during the playoffs because teams will, will be afraid of him and kick it out of bounds. I like Fenton on kick right now, and I, I know Hardman fumbled, but I think Hardman as a punt returner is probably the right move. Dave Tobe, time after time, has said that he believes Hardman can be one of the better punt returners in the game. So and the muff punt doesn't scare you? It's not great, right? That's not a great sign. And so I don't love that, but it happens. I mean, we've seen Tyree kill muff punts before, so sure. I think you, you make sure that Hill, because he's a huge part of your offense, stays healthy. I don't think you want him out there for extra time. I don't you, know, because I don't know if he'd even get a chance to return him. I think they'd be scared and kick it out of bounds. They did the same thing to Hardman. 
Like same as the boogeyman. They do like, similar. They kick the hard they, tail. They they do similar things with Hardman too. And if the ball does end up in his hands, he's not risking injury. I mean, the Chiefs don't really necessarily always need Hardman to. When you know, no offense to Hardman, who is a good young player, but they need Tyreek Hill. Uh, from the nine one three, if the Chiefs play the Ravens, they lose. Play anyone else, they go to the Super Bowl. I disagree. Why, why is everybody scared of the Ravens? Because this, this keeps coming up. It's hot. They're just hot. Yeah, but the Chiefs are 3-0 against them. Well, they'll play them in Kansas City. They'll play them in Baltimore. doesn't matter. The Chiefs thump the Ravens. They're in their heads. Because they even talk about the Chiefs being the kryptonite. The Chiefs are Fred staring on the Ravens' heads. Yeah, I, I just think they're playing better football than than they have. And, and they were humbled, right? They were humbled last year. They were humbled this season when they went through those lulls in the middle of the season. Now they're playing, I think, with something to prove more so than last year. They were a little bit high in themselves, similar in a sense to the Bills right now, in my opinion, of counting their chickens a little bit. The Ravens is one of these lower seeds. They got a lot to play for, and they know they have to bring it every weekend. I, I, the Ravens are, are interesting. The Chiefs certainly do have their number. Uh, again, I, to me, it's the Bills and then the Ravens. If if the Chiefs have any other combination of teams, they're back in the Super Bowl, no doubt, in my opinion. The thing about it is the Chiefs beat both those teams on the road. Get it. I get it, man. And this question comes from uh, me, Pete, uh, before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do for the triple hitters? What are you planning to eat? What are your, what's your snack rotation? What's your drink rotation? We, so we need to know. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't really have a ton of work to do. If the Colts do win on Saturday, I'll jump on and, and write that the Chiefs have a matchup with them, and we'll probably hit it early on in the week. So no real duties on Saturday. Having the boys over, I got a nice little bar area that's in my living room. So we're gonna we call it Pete's Pub. We'll have chicken. boys with an S or boys with a Z. Boys, boys with an S. Did okay. you get your invitation, Dusty? No, it got lost in the mail. Uh, mine did too, Pete. Guys that have been safe, guys that have been tested, we're good to go. We're gonna have wings, and then we're gonna move on. I got a hot dog machine for Christmas. Mm. That's oh, nice. sweet. Dogs Rollers? for dinner. Dogs for dinner, man. A roller. Not a roller. It's like a hot dog toaster. Chicago nice, dogs nice. for I dinner. Like it. It's going to be a good Saturday. I like it. This has been Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Had a ton of fun. Pete will be sitting in with Dusty and I when we do Big at Night. But now that we have our Sunday watch party where we have brats with the boys with a Z. <laughs> and we won't invite Pete. <laughs> That's the way this thing goes. See you guys in a few you got minutes. Only four or five people. It's, it's eh. the quarantine, man. Well, being Beakley, it's just two people. Ah. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.